Seven. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We're recording this in the afternoon because Super Bowl parties uh, sometimes get out of hand and there's no sense in chancing it. So it's Sunday afternoon and Iowa just won at Illinois. So now the Hawkeyes are 19 and four overall, 10 and one in the Big Ten and number one in the CBS Sports Top 25 mm-hmm. and one. Sam Bassini, did you ever think you'd see the day when Iowa was ranked number one in anything? I'm just worried about what I tell my kids about a ranked Iowa <laughs> or a number one overall Iowa. How about that? It's a, I, I lay the, you know what, I, I, once Oklahoma lost, or once I even knew that Oklahoma might lose, I started looking at it uh, Saturday night, and mm-hmm. you start lining up the resumes, and you can really, you know, you can slice it however you want to make it look favorable for Iowa or Villanova, um, or even Oklahoma. I, I think you could reasonably rank any of those three teams number one right now based on resumes, mm-hmm. but like... Uh, you know, when I started looking at Iowa's resume, I just sort of, can, I was like, that's probably, that's the best one, I think. Or at least it's the, you know, it, it's the best one in, in these ways. They've got more top 25 RPI wins than uh, the other teams that I was considering. They've got um, at least as many uh, top 50 RPI wins as anybody else I was seriously considering. They've got mm-hmm. no losses outside of the top 30. They got no home losses. Uh, they haven't been blown out by anybody. Like it's a... I don't look at Iowa and think of them as a, as a traditional number one team in the country, but, you know, based on the resumes, February 7th, they make as much sense as anybody. I think. Did you consider Maryland? Yes. Um, but the issue from, and, and again, like you could, you could just point to Maryland and say, Hey, the schedule's the schedule. What are you going to do? Sure. They, you know, they've only got true road losses and they're all close, but they don't have the wins that some of these other schools have. Well, I, the reason I brought up Maryland particularly is because they have the win over Iowa. Right. So that's like, it's kind of an interesting little thing, but I would say that Iowa's resume probably trumps uh, what Maryland has on its resume, even including the Iowa win. It does. I mean, I, I can tell you it does. But the, but the, the argument for Maryland, and it, it's weird to make this argument about a Big Ten team, is typically the type of argument you might need to make for Wichita State or Gonzaga. You'd have to say, hey, listen, they don't have uh, as many wins as a Villanova or an Iowa or an Oklahoma, but that's that's their schedule. There's nothing they can do about their schedule. And and that, that would be the way to argue in favor of Maryland. I think at this moment they only have two top 50 RPI wins. And, uh, you know, like, again, Iowa's got six. Villanova's got six. Oklahoma's got five. But, you know, some of that's just because they've played way fewer top 50 teams. For whatever reason, their schedule just has been – uh, what it is. Norlander, you got an opinion on who should be no- ranked number one when the AP poll comes out tomorrow? Um, don't really care too much who it is. I think your Iowa choice is inspired just because we know it's not going to be Iowa. So I like the fact that the conversation is extended at least this far out. And if we fielded, uh, you know, the dance right now with all 68 teams, Iowa definitely would be a one seed. Right. Um, I also think we're going to be heading to a situation here where I mean, okay, so the teams that you would consider right now: Iowa, nineteen and four; Oklahoma, uh, nineteen and three. But really, with the loss of K State, I would say in the moment, you know, and I'm definitely am all for it. Let's not necessarily react to uh, losses, meaning you shouldn't be number one. But that's two straight weeks. That would, you know, I would I would say there's given what else is around Oklahoma, I think it's uh, reasonable to drop them from the top spot because they will have two consecutive weeks with losses at the number one spot, whereas other teams challenging did not. Um, Virginia is 19 and four uh, and has a, uh, a, a a resume that's evolving in a very nice way. And I think about what we talked about with Virginia like three weeks ago. Tony Bennett's certainly uh, done a good job in kind of making them rebound. Um, Nova 20 and three. Nova. Uh, and Maryland, by the way, I believe both. I know Maryland for sure, but I'm pretty sure Villanova has never been the number one ranked team in the AP poll in the regular season. So we could have some history on Monday with that. Uh, and then, of course, Maryland and Xavier, by the way. Um, Xavier is the only team of all of these mentioned that only has two losses. And Xavier's got, uh, you know, it's it's its scalps aren't as nice overall. I mean, they've beaten, what, uh, Providence? USC Dayton's a win that keeps looking better. I'm telling you, this is going to be the best Dayton team Archie Miller has had. Uh, even if the A10 isn't that great uh, overall, Dayton's still a really good team. Um, I would say because Xavier lacks the ultimate elite wins, you might not consider them to be a 
the number one right now. But what I'm getting at with all those teams is, and I understand Xavier only has two right now. We're going to be have a situation. This isn't exactly breaking news, but uh, my guess is by the time we get to Selection Sunday, the total losses for number one seeds will be as high as maybe ever or certainly within the past decade and a half, if not longer, because I think it's almost guaranteed we'll have at least two seeds with five losses, two number one seeds with five losses. And most years, you know, the number one overall team and then usually the team that's vying for it right behind it, they've got two, maybe three losses top. So it'll be a, it'll be pretty interesting. If I had to pick the number one ranked team for tomorrow, I think I would go Villanova, but of course you got the weird thing with you know Maryland and Iowa. Maryland having the win over Iowa, of course Oklahoma Villanova. Oklahoma has the romping of Nova uh, right now. They are Nova is the number one team in Ken Palm um, and has six top fifty Ken Palm wins, no bad losses overall. It's definitely very interesting, and I gotta admit I love this. Uh, I love what the season has become. I, I understand that some people will lament that there's no dominant teams, and I get that. But to me, I just love every season, no matter what it brings us. And the uncertainty, I think, is is freaking awesome. I, I hope that it continues to the point where when we get to the NCAA tournament, like every year it's like, wow, this could be a crazy tournament. And, you know, it always is. It has really good facets. But I'm telling you, I want a selection Sunday where you look at the one, two, and three seeds and you're like, I just have – I can't say I don't have a lot of confidence in, in any of these teams. To you get can't to the trust – you're not going to be able to trust any of them. Which uh, to me is is fun because honestly we don't usually get that truly 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 get that there can be certain years where the twos might be a little uninspiring but even in those the number ones are usually something that you have good confidence in breaking into the second weekend into the elite eight I would love a tournament where you it just is a total crapshoot like unlike anything we've seen before we're headed toward that. I still have a little bit of skepticism, guys, if we're going to truly get there because something tells me we might still find just a little bit of order, a little bit of order by the time we get to Selection Sunday. But I'm, I got to be honest, I'm kind of hoping we don't. I don't think we're going to. I mean, like yesterday on Saturday, yeah. we had, you know, the number one and number two team in the AP poll both lose to unranked teams. I mean, like, think about the teams last year. Like, Kentucky never lost to an unranked team. I think Duke might have done it once. I'm not sure Wisconsin did it at all. Like and it just happens all the time now. Even like Arizona was right. awesome last year. Like this, that Arizona team last year would have been the best team in the country this year by far. Oh, I think like it wouldn't even be close. Duke last year, Kentucky last year, Arizona, Arizona last year, Wisconsin, Wisconsin last year, Virginia with James Anderson last year. Yeah, yep. yeah, all those and, teams, and and they rank, they rate higher in Palmer's algorithm than any of the teams this year. Yeah, right. so yeah, like, and, it, and to be clear, probably Villanova and, too. Yes, uh, yes, without a doubt. Yes. So, a couple of notes on some sure. of the teams you mentioned, Norlander. Uh, um, Xavier, like, you know, one of the things that I think checks the positive box for, for Iowa is that, you know, they, nobody, they haven't been run off the court. And they have, you know, every team they've lost to is also ranked in my top 25 and one. Now, I know you could argue, well, that's because you manipulated it to make it that way. And, and, and it, that's not true, but that's the way I would argue against myself. But they don't have any losses outside of the top 25 and one. And nobody's beating the hell out of them. And that, that's where you run it. Like Villanova got their brains beat in by Oklahoma. Xavier got their brains beat in by uh, Villanova. And then with Virginia, they've got nine top 50 wins. Like I've had some Virginia fans hit me with the nine top 50 wins. And that is true. But for whatever reason, when fans are making the cases for their teams, they just ignore the losses. Like Virginia's got losses to GW, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. Uh, all true road games. But, you know, two of those are outside of the top 50. So I, I guess I would uh, wrap it up by saying this. Uh, you could reasonably have, I think, um, you know, six different teams, five or at least five different teams ranked number one. Like you could make the case. Like if you told me to write five columns explaining why these five teams should be ranked number one in the country, like I could, I could sell you on it. But um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, after looking at it, and, and just, I promise you, nobody's looked at it as much as I looked at it because nobody's as dumb as I am to spend this much time on it. Um, I, I, I felt like Iowa was the. Uh, the the proper call and just as reasonable uh, as as anybody else you could possibly put at the top of a ballot. Can I uh, can I just toss out? Let's just let's just hit the two top teams that lost real quick. Um, one, you know, I I kind of almost set it up exactly how it happened with Carolina and Notre Dame on the podcast from Friday. 
just like Bray has a in that in his program they just have a knack for getting really good wins and getting some good spots primetime game you know game day was there and all that stuff and they look good uh and they have now beaten uh, a ranked Duke team when Duke was ranked and now a ranked Carolina team this doesn't happen in most seasons but it did actually happen with NC State last year and of course that made the, that team made the sweet 16 so maybe good things coming for the Irish uh but I, GP you had said that you know you wouldn't necessarily your perception of Carolina and its long-term big picture prospects wouldn't be knocked too much. I would agree with you in watching how they played the game. I don't really have too much concern. And part of that's because of the talent uh, and part of it's obviously what's at the top of the sport. And then with Oklahoma and K-State, that was a definitely a weird one. I will give my, my brother Cody, the youngest, um, who loves to just suck up to Parrish and Goodman on Twitter, I, I will give him his props on the podcast. He did text me before that game started that K-State would win, and he asked me, and I said, nah, I'll say Oklahoma by about 12. And uh, he was right, uh, and, and great call there. Definitely a little bit of a weird one, but I'm not I, – I don't think of anything lesser of Oklahoma because, one, Bramlage is in the within the league. Like, if you talk to Big 12 coaches, Bramlage is considered year in and year out like a top three tough venue to play. Allen Fieldhouse is obviously number one. Hilton's two, and then Bramlage is probably number three. And Oklahoma's had some issues there. They haven't won there, I think, in like five seasons. Uh, but overall, like, I don't – I just think you're going to look back and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, they got picked off that one time at – at, at K-State. I, I still think Oklahoma at worst will be a number two seed, but do, are you guys with me in that just because Carolina and Oklahoma lost, like they weren't necessarily exposed to any sort of uh, big degree? Like they're, they're still, they still be, should be considered top five teams, big picture. How about this? Disagree? Well, I mean, I don't think Carolina has a top five resume. Any, no, I, fair, but, fair. But, 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 I, just, but, but I would say this, if you gave me a bracket right now and you put Oklahoma in one region and Carolina in one region, I, different regions, yeah. I'd probably have them both in the Final Four. Probably would, too. They would both be Final Four picks for me. Um, now, I still think Oklahoma's got a top-two resume, top-three resume at worst, and, and, and could reasonably – I just wasn't going to do it because, um, I don't know, I think Iowa's got the better resume right now. Plus, people go crazy if you leave Oklahoma number one again. <laughs> but uh, Plus, it was a double-digit loss to an unranked team. That's a lot different than losing at Hilton. Um, but Oklahoma, like, no, I'm not worried about Oklahoma. I wish they'd stop kicking the ball when they're trying to uh, close out a game in the final minute. That would probably be ideal, but sure. what are you going to do? Um, no, I, I still think Oklahoma and North Carolina, I thought this yesterday at this time, um, I, I thought they were Final Four caliber teams. I still think they're Final Four caliber teams. They're probably teams that, that I would pick to advance in, in my bracket. of the. Um, so both those teams lost. There were actually four ranked teams yesterday that lost to unranked teams. Um, the other two, of course, were Wichita State and Indiana. Wichita State loses at Illinois State. Indiana loses at Penn State. Sam, which one of those surprised you most? Did they both surprise you? Oh, yeah, they both surprised me. I would say both those teams were uh, among the hotter teams in the country coming yeah. into that game. Um, I would probably – man, that's tough. I, I would probably say Indiana surprised me a little bit more because I don't buy that – Penn State team in any real way. Um, like Illinois State, they at least are kind of a tough matchup. They beat Wichita State last year as well. I think they beat them in the uh, Missouri Va Missouri Valley Tournament. They did. Does that sound right? Yep. Yes. Um, so, yeah, like th that team at least, you know, for whatever reason, might have Wichita State's number. Um, the Penn State-Indiana one is uh, it's a weird one i would say i mean indiana is now sitting there at nine and two in the big 10 uh and th that was a chance for them to go to 10 and one and be three games up on a top three spot uh in the in the entire league i mean if they're sitting there at 10 and one you know michigan state's at seven and four right now like it's going to be hard for michigan state to make up those three games even with the way that indiana's schedule picks up here coming up i mean now with that loss it's a little bit more difficult for indiana to get that you know top three top four seed in the uh big 10 tournament and you know it's it's, it's a loss that just looks out of place or not even out of place on their resume it just looks ugly on their resume i mean this is now a team that's lost to penn state wake forest and unlv uh. at differing times of the season and uh you know that unlv team was playing a little bit better early in the season wake forest was playing a little bit better early in the season but it's it's just it's this resume doesn't make sense to me in any way right now and it's gonna be really interesting to see how indiana starts to play uh, now, because Thursday and Sunday of next week, or I guess this coming week, uh, they have Iowa and Michigan State. Right. You know, 
Iowa has to go to Bloomington. Michigan State has to go, or they go to Michigan State. Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to shake out for Indiana. If they get a split, uh, I think they'll be happy, but uh, I don't know what to expect either. I think they need the split. And, you know, I wrote it's not necessarily the loss that to Penn State that hurts. It's what comes after because it, it just might start a little bit of a snowball effect here within the Big Ten standings and all that. I, I think if they do uh, lose both the next two games, which are definitely losable, um, even though they've been ahead in the Big Ten standings for so long, I think their chances at a one seed go out the window. Uh, if they were to win those games, I th- even with the bad losses, again, look at every other team that's going to be fighting for one seed and, and the losses they've taken and the lost totals, I think Indiana would have a, a shot. Certainly, if you win the Big Ten, they would be in it. But I think they've got a, a minimally split to keep that chance open. I do have doubts about that i, I kind of feel like they might just hit a bump here and things might get a little bit interesting though which does they think you have both you guys have both been here many times you're like you know what this is a good story i'm gonna write up on this and so i do the, i do I like just a thing on wichita state and how good it's been and it's like mm-hmm. it goes out and it gets beat by illinois state mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i can what i can the hell man like that. just give me one win like give me one win yeah. after that lose one after that but you know now with wichita state real quick here so I'm of the opinion that they will. St- it will still be in a good position if we were to run the table and not lose again until the Valley title game. If it loses one more regular season game and in the tournament, it probably gets a little bit interesting there. My question for the committee will be with Wichita State, remember – at the time that it defeated UNLV, UNLV was a 7-1 and team with two really good wins on its resume. And let's see what UNLV becomes. So that, that Vegas win, it could go either way to helping them or hurting them. And obviously Van Vliet wasn't in the lineup for the three-game losing streak down in Orlando. But I still maintain that Wichita State is in an okay spot right now. Obviously doesn't want to uh, flirt with fire. And I would guess that this... I, I'm I'm going to say right now, I don't think they'll lose again in the league just because their toughest road games have been behind them. The rest of the time they play on the road is to teams that they should be beating by double-digit points. And really, they've only had uh, two games in the Valley that haven't been decided by double-digit margin. Obviously, all those games that were are games that they won. I don't think they're going to lose again before Selection Sunday. I would totally buy that. Yeah. Absolutely. They've just been so dominant. Now, Illinois State, and by the way, Muller... Like, I think he's going to have a really good job at some point down the road. It might take a little couple more years here. He's a really good coach. And that they, you know, sometimes programs within these leagues, there's just schemes and player personnel. You just, they're bad matchups. And clearly, what Mueller does, he faces up really well with Wichita State. But I would definitely side with the UGP. If I had to take one way or the other, I don't think they'll lose again until Selection Sunday. And if that's the case, their seeding is going to be really interesting. Mueller's name is one you'd probably uh, hear if. Uh, you know, things didn't get turned around at Vanderbilt, and they ended up making a change. Sure, because he was an assistant there for a long time. He was an assistant there under Kevin for a while. Did you see the student newspaper at Vanderbilt? Actually, I did not. Actually, like, wrote it's time to fire Kevin Stallings. Like, they, they did, like, a student newspaper. Like, did the whole, like... Uh, front page, big headline. Like it's time for a coaching oh, change. So like, oh, that that thing is turned uh, on him. Yeah, I mean, like it's, badly. It seems like. Yeah, I thought this would be a year where he starts to string it together a little bit. Um, you know, a couple of good seasons, get back to being you know relevant both in the SEC and on a national level. And like, you know, this season uh, has been a, a disappointment. Like, you could reasonably argue they're one of the more disappointing teams in America. Like, you know, they, they beat Texas A&M. Was it A&M they beat the other night? Yeah, they beat yep. they beat a And then they followed up. Like, you know, Ole Miss ain't bad at home, but like, if you try if you're trying to get going, you get that's when you got to go win, right? And yeah, so, no, yeah. I've written this year already. They're the most disappointing team in America. This is a team that I thought was going to be able to come into the year and potentially be a top 15 team. I mean, they have three potential NBA players on that roster. Wade Baldwin is going to be a first round pick this draft. You know, Damian Jones has already said he's leaving, but he hasn't quite had the year that, you know, he probably would have liked. Um, but still, he'll be drafted if he leaves this year. And then Luke Cornett's another guy that's seven foot tall, can really shoot the ball and does a little bit defensively that's interesting. And I mean, they have some shooters. They surround all of those guys with guys who can shoot the lights out. And this offense is currently 82nd in the country. I think that I told you guys before these before the season that like I probably would have said that Indiana would have been my best bet to be one of the top offenses in the country. And I think that that's basically held. Indiana is sitting at 23rd offensively in the country. So a little bit below that level. But Vanderbilt would have been one of my next choices to be like one of the best offenses in the country. No doubt. And they're sitting at 82nd right now in. Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency rating. And that's not good enough with the talent that this roster has 
not only with Baldwin and Jones and Cornette, but with the shooters that they surround those guys with, with, you know, Matt Fisher Davis, 46% from three, uh, Jeff Roberson, 48% from three, Riley Lachance, 40% from three. Like it's unacceptable to me that this team is what it is. I'm with you, man. Like when you have a pro big and shooters, two pro bigs, two pro bigs, shooters, and a competent point guard, the pro point guard. Yeah. How are you not good? (laughs) Like, how are you not good offensively? Like, I really – and it's not like Kevin is, like, lost – like, on like he's he's known in basketball circles as a good yep. offensive coach. It really yep. doesn't make any sense that they're not um, – not just not just better than they are, but, like, that they're not drastically better uh, than what they are. No, but, and, I mean, here's the thing. Like, he keeps going to post-ups, like, constantly. They run more post-ups than any team in the SEC. I've looked this up. And, like, it doesn't make sense because Damian Jones isn't a post big. He's a, you know, set a pick and roll to the basket big right now and catch and finish. Like, Luke Cornett is a three-point shooting big who isn't really all that strong in the blo- on the block right now. Like, it, the way they're running that offense doesn't make sense to me. Um, and they go out. They have two pro bigs, and they go out and lose to a Mississippi team that doesn't have its big. Like, Sebastian Saiz isn't playing. Right. Uh, he's like a double-double-ish kind of big. And he's out right now due to injury. And you go out and lose to that team, it's pretty unacceptable to me. Uh, Before we look ahead a little bit to Monday night's games and Tuesday night games, I think um, it's important to uh, look back because the biggest story in college basketball is one that actually happened since we recorded our last podcast, and that is Louisville um, self-imposing a postseason ban. 22 games into this season, uh, a reaction, of course, uh, to an ongoing NCAA investigation into a scandal rooted in allegations that uh, a former staff member, Andre McGee, uh, was hiring a madam, a self-proclaimed madam, uh, to provide uh, prospects and players with strippers and uh, escorts. And so Louisville has not gotten into the details of their investigation, but they have acknowledged wrongdoing. And and, and decided to uh, ban this team from this postseason in an attempt, uh, a pretty clear attempt, to try to get whatever punishment they're going to be dealing with uh, behind them as soon as possible. I wrote a column um, for CBSSports.com basically saying, like, listen, I get it. Like, when Dr. James uh, Ramsey says this is what's best for our university and for our program, I, I don't disagree. But I think it is fundamentally wrong to rip a season away from – from, from players who have no real options at this point, particularly fifth-year transfers like Damian Lee and, and Trey Lewis. The idea that these two kids, just those specific two people, could transfer into Louisville well before the scandal, news of it ever broke, and, 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 and transfer to Louisville primarily because, yeah, they want to play in the ACC and for a Hall of Fame coach and all that stuff, but, but also because they want to go to the NCAA tournament at, at Cleveland State and, and Drexel. They never had that opportunity. And now they're on their way to doing it. Like they were just coming off a win over North Carolina. They were projected by most people to be a three seed or a four seed. Uh, could probably still get in play for a two seed. And, and then it's ripped away. Like I don't know how a, adults can do that. And I don't know that they should be allowed to do that. One, you know, the sort of the solution I proposed is once the semester starts and kids are locked into the rosters, uh, no more postseason bans for that particular season. And um, if you want, you know, the next year that's that's open. But at that point, then the seniors will be gone anyway. And and if you're an underclassman, you 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 are given a waiver to transfer if you want to exercise it and play immediately somewhere else. And that would really um, you know, punish the programs and the men in charge of the programs and the universities, as opposed to to punish student athletes who, um, you know, in most cases and definitely in this case, had nothing to do um, with the violations that actually occurred. Am I missing something? One of you want to play devil's advocate. One of you want to uh, um, try to explain why Louisville doing this is is okay and and not, as I put it, shameful. That's all Max because I no no I'm not playing devil's advocate on this. I mean we in our Slack room I basically said the same exact thing that Gary did. I mean no self-imposed bans and anyone transfer with eligibility remaining gets a transfer waiver. It's 
it, it's not a perfect scenario by any means. I mean, you no, still but, have kids yeah. that are going to have to uproot their lives right. and, uh, you know, move from a university that they decided to commit their next four years to both academically and uh, athletically. And, you know, it's not perfect that you are giving these kids this option to do that. But I think that it's better to give them the options than uh, to what what the alternative is with these kids now not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. Okay, so I got a few thoughts on this. One, um, the argument that this is kind of a fringe argument, but I did see Dan Dockers tweet it, and honestly, it, it's a ridiculous opinion. But the uh, the idea that this is somehow is that the karma. fired Bowling Green coach? It is. Oh, the, guy, the idea that this is the guy karma that coming ye- back. The, the guy that to... coached ten years. Let me make sure I'm, we're talking about the same guy. The guy who coached ten years at Bowling Green never made the NCAA tournament. Then got hired at Indiana. Once his head coach got fired, took a top ten team, ran it straight into the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I know you're talking uh, and, about. And you know he is a national commentator, and uh, and and so his opinion can carry some a certain amount of weight. And he wasn't the only one to say this, by the way. But the idea that this is karma coming back to to Lee and Lewis for leaving their schools. Hey, Stupid. they fulfilled their academic obligation, graduated at small schools, and have every right to pursue one more year at a big time power and try and reach an NCAA tournament. So that's not there's karma has got nothing to do with this. No, it's a and, hideous, and, hideous. Yeah, and let me add on that. First, yeah, it's a hideous opinion. It's a dumb opinion. I don't know whether he meant it or not. Sometimes people just tweet things and hey, say things. But to... I saw a lot of people I don't no, know. I saw plenty no. of people say Oh no, I had other people say it to me like they bailed on their schools. No, they didn't bail on their schools. First off, schools bell on players all the time. Without schools, a doubt. Schools bell on coaches all the time. Coaches bell on schools all the time. We're not going to hold uh, amateur athletes to a standard that we don't hold anybody else to. Their, their scholarships are one year at a time. So don't talk about that. They, they didn't do anything that they aren't, out, that they aren't allowed to do. And it, trust me, if um, the, their coaches at Drexel and Cleveland State had decided that they needed their scholarships to give it to a better player at any point in time, because this happens everywhere all over the country, then that would have happened. Um, that would have happened to them. They uh, kids get belled on just as often as as kids bell on universities. And either way, they didn't bell on anybody. They graduated and then they exercised. Um, you know, I don't want to say rights because that's not the right word, but they exercised an, an option. Um, that they're allowed to exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's insane. Absolutely. And, the other and thing I, I heard was, okay. this is what, because I got this one from a few people. Well, they should have known that they might be at risk of something playing for a, quote, guy like Rick Patino. Okay, first off, Rick Patino, and you'll remember because we talked about this in the podcast literally the week before this scandal broke, he's never had any NCAA issues. None. The idea that a kid at Drexel and a kid at Cleveland State should be worried about going to Louisville because of a possible postseason ban rooted in a scandal that nobody even knew existed at the time is just asinine. Like, what are you even talking about? So, no, like, you could twist it and turn it and try to have your, uh, you know, contrary opinion if you want to. Uh, but the anybody trying to blame Damian Lee and Trey Lewis or, or suggest that they got what was coming to them, like, that's just stupid. Bordering on, uh, it, it's just, it's just stupid. Yeah, it's, no, a, and, it's, a, it's a stupid and wrong opinion. And, yeah, and, it's it's crazy to me to even come up with that. Like you said, like, you know, what about the kid from BYU last year, Isaac Nielsen, who, like, kind of had his scholarship, like, not renewed or whatever. Like, he was, he was run off or whatever. He was asked to transfer, basically. Like, you know... Like you said, schools do this to kids all the time. There's no reason why. Well, like, well, like if like good, there's no reason why good players should be held to a higher standard than like other players well, that well, run well, off from programs. No, beyond that, I, I'll make it even simpler for you. Um, like, if Dockage would have ever been any good at coaching basketball, like, like he would have had an opportunity. I, and I know he had the West Virginia thing, but then turned back around. But if he would have ever had a better opportunity. From Bowling Green, one that he, after looking at it from every angle, he decided, you know what, this is a better coaching opportunity for me. This is the way I want to spend the next year of my life. What would he have done? Belt on his players? Like every other coach in America does? You know, like, 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 like Brad Stevens? Everybody likes Brad Stevens, right? I mean, according to according to the, the definition that we're using here about Damian Lee and Trey Lewis bailing on their schools, did Brad Stevens bail on Butler? 
Certainly. I mean, especially I mean, given the time of that, that came, honestly, it came right before the summer evaluation period. I mean, there is a few other times during the calendar year where it's more inconvenient to lose your coach. Right. So, you I mean, know. Like, so what are you even talking about? Like, yeah. bail on. Like, they, yeah, yeah. No, so they, that, they graduated um, and they took a, they graduated and found a better opportunity for them, one that they'd rather have. It's something 40 different coaches do every single year. All right. So that was, <laughs> I was supposed yeah, to be I'm not, I'm not going to attack. Uh, Dockage by any means, who I think is good at his job analyzing basketball on television. Uh, his that opinion is pretty bad, though. So okay. And so aside from sense. that, what, and I will say with Lewis and Lee, it is. I I I hope they can. I hope they're realizing that so many people are like just standing up for them, and it's got to totally just suck so much to have this taken away because you're heading to the tournament and all that stuff. But the one upshot from that is everyone is coming to their defense and. Uh, and tossing a lot of sympathy over their way, which, you know, doesn't amount to that much, but at least it is something. Now, in terms of the punishment and all that stuff, um, GP, I'm with you. I have doubts that this is going to happen in terms of not having a postseason ban self-implemented once a season starts. I think it should be the way we go, but the rules put forth by the NCAA are voted on by membership within the NCAA, and I have skepticism over whether... School presidents and policymakers are going to say, yeah, no, we're going to be cool with that. Now, it should be that way. You should not be able to basically help dictate your own punishment. And it is interesting to see, like, way before we even started our jobs, back in the 70s and 80s and in the early 90s, how things used to work. And the NCAA is, is growing and evolving. And rightfully, I feel like uh, public backlash and, and just common sense sentiment has really moved a lot of what the NCAA does to a logistical place, but obviously there are huge stories within college basketball and college football, most notably on a year-by-year -year basis, that show us that there's still room and, and pace to grow here. I I don't know if there's a system that can be put into place that will stop this, but it should be stopped. You should not have the ability to say, no, you know what, uh, we're just throwing away this year, because you do it obviously to save the future, save the recruiting class, I mean, this clearly means Patino has no set. Now, he might listen. Patino is among the most notorious of being able to change his mind and his opinion on something. Well, he says it at nine in the morning and it's, you know, 180 degrees by three in the afternoon. So he could step down. He could resign at the end of the year that there might even already be plans in place for this. That is just so super hush hush right now. They don't want to even bring it to the table. But a lot of these moves to me suggest that Patino is not ready. He does not want to step away from this school in, in the midst of this. It, kind of similar to what, yes, Bayheim last year when that team was nowhere near uh, the NCAA tournament. And we, you know, mocked the school for doing that. And what was an inconsequential season, it's been interesting to see the similarities and differences in terms of how everyone has reacted to what Louisville did versus what Syracuse did. Um, I'll also say that the interesting part to me here is that basically if you listen to the press conference, the president said, and Jurich, the AD said, we got information a couple of days ago and we're not going to share that information with you, but the information they got from the NCAA was so bad that in an 18, in an 18, four season without, and I really get this, the, the, the impression that Patino does not want to have this ban, by the way, I really think he fought them on this and he can't help himself. And he kind of let a few of those, um, a few of those cards, so to speak, kind of slip in his press conference. But it was so bad that they were like, no, we're done. We're going to just we're going to do it this way. We don't even want to chance it. We don't want to chance a vacated season down the road or whatever. Well, see, but, that's, the, that's the part I don't understand. I like, uh, listen, like, what is the vacated season? There's nothing that can happen. <laughs> like, there is no vacated. I know. I, like, listen, so, I, know like, I, I, I had but, some guy say on uh, he sent me a Facebook message. He said, Parrish, what you don't have to, what you don't understand is that Louisville had to had to ban themselves from this postseason. Be, because if they don't, they're at risk of vacating their national championship. No, that one's got nothing to do with the Who other. Who cares? Well, that, well, 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 everybody would care if you had to vacate a national championship. But like, it still happened. Like no. the national championship happened. Ask we Michigan. know who won. Ask Michigan if they like vacating Final Fours and Memphis if they like vacating Final Fours. Nobody likes to vacate. My point Nobody is this: to do it, but you, like it, it, we know who won. Well, my my, my point is this: like. If Louisville has to vacate the 2013 title or not, it's going to be determined by things that happened with players on that roster. It ain't, it's good. There is no scenario where this scandal is going to cause them to vacate the 2016 season. It's just that ain't going to happen. It doesn't even add, the timeline doesn't add up. 
the only reason Louisville has decided to do this is because if you're going to have one postseason ban, now it's behind you. And you mm-hmm. can go into the summer of 2016 telling recruits, um, no, you'll never have to miss the NCAA tournament. That's behind us. If it's going to be a two-year postseason That's ban, what I was getting at. If, yeah. you, if it's going to be a two-year postseason ban, then yeah, you can tell um, your kids that are already signed with you, yeah, you're not going to be able to play as a freshman, but you will as a sophomore, junior, senior, and you can recruit the class of 2017 in a way that, um, in, in, you know, where you can tell them you'll never have to miss the NCAA tournament. So the only reason Louisville does this is because um, it, 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 it puts the punishment it, it, in the, I guess, I think this is the way I wrote it. Uh, the earlier you start the punishment, the earlier it ends. Right. And so like, in, in, in the spirit of like trying to do the best long-term thing for your program, this is what you ought to do. This is why Syracuse did what it did. The only difference here being Syracuse basically banned its NIT team from the NIT. That's what they did. And uh, Louisville undeniably took an NCAA team out of the NCAA tournament, and they screwed over two fifth-year seniors who came there strictly to play in the NCAA tournament. And your larger point, Matt, which is you don't think my proposal would ever go through? I agree completely it wouldn't go through because for it to go through would mean, would mean that the power brokers are do, trying decided they're going to do what's best for the student athletes. I, not, d- I just can't see it. Like, not, not what's best for the universities and the athletic departments. And so, no, they, it runs counter to everything else they do. Everything, which, yeah. almost, almost everything they do is to do what's best for the universities and programs, not the student athletes. If it also happens to do be a positive for the student athletes, then that's, that's good. But like, that's not the priority. Uh, my proposal, the priority would be the student athletes. And that runs counter to what they usually do. I got a few quick, just a couple more quick ones. I want to hit on this thing. So, um, one, uh, I'm not putting out of the uh, equation that another postseason event could be coming. Cause I think that is possible. Um, two, man, oh man, everyone is just dying for the NCAA to just boot North Carolina out of the universe. You cannot write or talk about this without everyone else coming in and saying, but what's happening at North Carolina? I assure you, there is going to be a massive hammer that comes down. We just have to wait for that to happen. Um, it's, but so it's so frustrating. Like, I get it all the time, too. Every, I'm like, 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 hey, well, what's going on with North Carolina? Google it. Google what's going on with North Carolina. It ain't hard to find out. Why? You, and, yeah, like, exactly. Like, if you care um, so much about North Carolina, here's where I'm at at this point. If you are so consumed with what's going to happen with North Carolina, you should be smart enough to know that North Carolina hasn't even gone before the Committee on Infractions yet. That it's coming. It's coming this year. Yes, presumably. It happened this year. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it should happen this year, but it ain't happened yet. Like, people want North Carolina to be punished before. Like, here's the. Oh, wait. You ready? This is actually perfect. North Carolina could already have done a postseason ban if they wanted to. You know what North Carolina said? Nah, we're going to ride this thing out, try to win a national championship in 2016. And though I think it's uh, calculated on their part, like I think they pushed back things. They like delayed the schedule. So to ensure they would never be banned from the 2016 um, NCAA tournament, like they just decided, even if it's not good for us long-term, we're going to, we're going to take a shot at this because we got a championship level team right now. Whereas Louisville basically did the opposite. Plus, the timeline ends in terms of the NCAA's investigation with Carolina earlier. Like, the Louisville thing kind of bleeds into early 2014, okay? Carolina's a little... So, basically, there's no one on this Carolina team that we know of that could be tied to the NCAA's investigation. So, if... Uh, any sort of vacation happened, it, it almost definitely wouldn't affect this season's team, in my opinion. Um, last thing on the Louisville thing, Patino had mentioned, and I, this kind of fascinated me, he, he had mentioned how, you know, the students don't deserve to be punished, let's punish um, programs and coaches. Two things, actually, real quick. One, again, because of the structure of the NCAA and the nature of student-athletes coming and going and the nature of college coaches and rightfully having a free market to take jobs or whatever, there you can never, ever have a perfect punishment at the college level. It yep. is just simply impossible. There, There is going to be shrapnel, and innocent bystanders are going to get the short end of the stick in one way or another. It is unavoidable. It sucks. It's just the nature of it. But I was intrigued by Patino saying this uh, when he basically knows that – like. 
uh, barring him being pushed out at Louisville, and I just don't buy. Like, I think that whenever he decides to step down, it will. It might come at a nudging, but I, I think that he is so powerful there that it will ultimately be, unless something like really brutal that's beyond his control comes out, it will ultimately be his doing. To me, it was interesting for him to say that, knowing full well that there's just nothing going to really be coming his way outside of the stain on his reputation. Yeah, let's um, look. We ahead. can move on. It's to me the the story is fascinating and it's a huge story, uh, and it really sucks for Louisville. And there's a lot of layers to it, and I'm just glad we talked about it on the podcast, just because uh, you know it sucks, honestly. And I just don't know what's going to happen to prevent this in the future with any other programs that want to cheat. Louisville at Duke is on Monday night. The players have now said, and you know, anytime something like this happens, it's not ideal. Like you don't want your postseason aspirations, dreams, goals all ripped away. Uh, particularly this late in the calendar. But, uh, you know, once you get over the initial, like, disappointment, then you try to find something else to grab onto. And there's now saying our goal is uh, to win the ACC regular season title. Uh, they, they, I don't know that they have to win at Duke to do that. But winning at Duke would, like, really put them uh, in a good position to do it. It's not far-fetched to think that they could actually do it. Sam, do they win at Duke on Monday night? I will say that they do. I think that uh, Louisville's defense can kind of shut down two guys, and that's what Duke has right now, and Brandon Ingram and Grayson Allen. Uh, and Duke's defense has just been such a nightmare this, this year that I don't think they're going to be, be able to slow down the uh, the guys like Damian Lee, Trey Lewis, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, these are all really good athletes that I think are going to be able to get out and transition and really uh, take advantage of what has been a really bad Duke defense this year. So I say they do go into Duke and win, actually. Norlander, can you see that? I just, I just never assume anybody's going to win at Duke, even when Duke is struggling yeah. and even when the team's better. Yeah, that's tough. Listen, Louisville, uh, you know, all that uh, scandal stuff aside as a team, I was definitely wrong on how – I thought they wouldn't be nearly this good, and at eight, uh, now nineteen and four actually. Um, I I don't think they're gonna win at Duke just because it is so tough to win at Duke. They still got a decent offense, right? And and Shoshevsky's back. Two teams uh, have done it in the last like three I weeks. Know, I know, right? I mean, and there's and there's reason to believe, but it's just. I'll, I'll say no, but I think it'll be a a good game, and I I do actually expect Louisville to play. Like I, I think the fan base, apparently, you know, for a crappy BC game, reports were that the the arena, the Yum Center, was like filled with 30 minutes before tip, and BC's awful. Um, and I think the fan base will rally around it, and I think that the team now that like they they might have this just this genuine just like f you to the world kind of mentality, even though there's no postseason carrot hanging for them, they could play some really inspired basketball. But I'll say. Uh, I'll say they come up just short. And by the way, you know, it is an important game for Duke overall um, because, you know, Palm had him as a, I think Palm had him as a seven seed <laughs> entering Saturday. Uh, they ended up beating Carol- North Carolina State. But we c- I, listen, if they lose, Duke then gets Virginia at home. That's going to be a <laughs> tough one. Then at UNC, then a return at Louisville. We could, we're going to hit this on future podcasts, especially if Duke takes on some losses, but we could have this weird thing. Uh, we talked about Kentucky with this this year, but also two years ago. Like, Duke might end up in the 8 9 game, and that just looks weird. And it would be compelling for if they were to win, and, you know, you get Duke in an underdog situation. Could get Duke and game. Kentucky uh, playing one seeds in the round of 32. It is, right? It, it's conceivable. Um, so just, you know, keep an eye on that because, you know, the defense on this team has been been really weird. Um, but, yeah. The other game. Well, I mean, seriously, can we. Go to Duke real quick. I mean, like, it's not crazy that they lose all four of these games. No, it's not. And if they lose all four of these games, I mean, you're talking about a team that is 17 and 10 that doesn't have a ton of quality wins necessarily. I think they have two top 50 wins, maybe, maybe one. Uh, Gary might know better than I do on that. And then uh, they'd only have two opportunities left before the ACC tournament to get another one. Like, if they lose these four games, they're in trouble to make the tournament, I think. Right now, Duke has one top 50 win. A VCU. No, they have two. Well, maybe RPI not. Kempom, they have two. They've beaten yeah. Indiana, and they had VCU earlier in the year. RPI, it's, two, it's just one, because Indiana is now 55th in the RPI. And I know these are – I just use the RPI as a group. Yeah, because that's what the committee looks yeah, like. Yeah, and that's what the committee uses. So, like, I, I recognize sure. – uh, for anybody getting ready to tweet me that the RPI is a flawed number, I understand, but it is it is the one they use, and so it's um Definitely. it's it's at least worth looking at. So according to the RPI right now, uh, Duke has one top fifty win. The good thing about Duke, to the extent that this is good, they only have one loss outside of the top fifty, whereas like. 
Kentucky has like five outside of the top 50 of the RPI losses. Uh, Duke only has one, but there's not a whole lot there. And yeah, when you start looking at, at what they've got on board, again, uh, Louisville at home, uh, Virginia at home, at North Carolina, at Louisville. Mm. I mean, they're, they're, I'll put it this way. Uh, I would say the home games are winnable. Like you can win those, of course, but they're also losable, like easily losable. And the road yeah. games are probably the losses, right? I would guess play. that they get one of these games. Like I, I think that they probably get one of these if games. If you were picking right now, would you say next four games, one and three? I say two yes. and two. I would you say, one, say and one and three. I'll say two and two. I would say one and three. And that, which is, by the way, one and three is the better way to go because the next four opponents, they're ranked seventh or higher in Ken Palm. So it's right. it's just a it's it's a gone. Yeah, I would say one and three. I, I if I yeah. One and three, which is just sort of weird. You never think that Duke's going to go one and three uh, in a four-game stretch. The other game on Monday night of, of interest is, of course, Texas at Oklahoma. It'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma bounces back after losing at Kansas State. And Shock has got Texas really playing well right now. I suspect that when the AP poll comes out on Monday, um, they'll, they'll be in, in it. They've got a top 25 resume uh, right now. And then Tuesday night, this is interesting, and we'll wrap up with this, West Virginia at Kansas. Uh, West Virginia won the first meeting by 11. That, of course, was at West Virginia. If uh, the Mountaineers win Tuesday night, by the way, they're alone in the top of the Big 12 standings right now. Mountaineers win, somehow win at Allen Fieldhouse. It's over. I'm saying it's over, GP. They will have a two-game lead over Kansas in the Big 12 standings with just seven games left. Kansas will not win the Big 12 if they lose at home to West Virginia. I think that's probably true. It's not going to happen. The the league's too good, and West Virginia's going to have too good of a lead. Um, And with, you know... There was some glimmer of hope for Kansas, the fact that Oklahoma lost. Uh, I think Oklahoma, listen, Texas looks really good. Um, and credit to Shaka, that, that team is doing so well. I think Oklahoma is going to ba- bounce back and just rock Texas on Monday night, personally. That's just, again. By the way, we're, we're probably going to know about the streak, like, by the end of this weekend. Like, we're, we're going to feel reasonably good about it because they play West Virginia and Oklahoma. Right. This mm-hmm. week, Kansas. So, I mean, if they drop you know, one of those games, it's probably fine. If they win both, I would say that they are going to (laughs) win the big, win the big 12. So I don't think I'll count them out until they are mathematically. (laughs) Neither will I. Yeah. (laughs) But, But, um, but I, I, I do, I, I tend to believe just like, listen, we're guessing. I told you if I had to guess Duke's next four games, I'd I'd guess one and three, another guess. I think Norland and I are on the same page. If, if Kansas loses uh, Tuesday night, to West Virginia at Allen Fieldhouse, I don't think Kansas will will win the Big Twelve. But for from some for some perspective, since basically February like sixth or seventh, two thousand seven, somewhere around there, think back to how long ago that was. Okay, Sam was just entering the fourth grade. Okay, Kansas has lost three home games in that time. They right. just never get beat. Now no, they, yeah. I don't, happen, no, listen, I don't think it's just insane. It, yeah, I don't think they're going to lose at home to West Virginia because I don't think they're ever going to lose at home to anybody ever. Um, like the Warriors could play there and I'd still have to think about it, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, I'd be like, I, you know, I know they got Steph and Clay and Draymond, but it's still Allen Fieldhouse. Right. So like, I don't expect them to lose Tuesday night, but if they do, uh, they got serious. What, hold on, real problems. quick. That's a fun little thing though. Like if that actually happened, Vegas probably puts Golden State minus 29. Dude, I think Golden State is minus 29 against anybody at this point. That's a, that's a fair point. Like legitimately, what would that line be? Golden State at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, honestly, maybe it's minus 45. <laughs> they're, they're, they're unbelievable. It's like 40. Easy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, dude, I just can't, I didn't listen. I just, that, that team is ridiculous. It's, no, the team is really ridiculous. Like, I watch, I watch every one of their games. Like, they, yes. un, it is unbelievable. I couldn't even watch. believe that Oklahoma State came back. And when they did, I had, like, sometimes you'll watch games, a lot of these college games, especially in college football, you're like, yeah, what, even if it's close, you're like, oh, whatever. Like, I had no, confidence whatsoever that Oklahoma State had any chance to win that game. Even when Durant was going kind of nuts late, like Oklahoma it, City, Norlander. What Oklahoma did I say? Oklahoma State? Twice. You said Oklahoma State. I can I can feel reasonably sure Oklahoma State would not be able to beat them either. <laughs> yeah. Especially not <laughs> with uh, Phil Forte out. <laughs> the homie. I'd love I wish the homie Phil Forte would play. <laughs> All right, good deal. You want to go uh, prep for the Super Bowl, guys? Yeah, yeah. If uh, yeah, we didn't make I it clear so. at the beginning, we uh we got this out of the way before pre-Super Bowl um, so that we could uh, enjoy the Super Bowl like normal we, Americans, and so we just um, get, can we get the prediction, the score, just so it can be on the record here? Peyton six to three. Peyton six to three. Six to three. Peyton Manning. The game is not ending six to three. GP. I hope it does. That's the way I want it to go. I want Peyton to win. 
Uh, I'm actually, I, I do, I don't know why, but I'm also rooting for Peyton. My, my score is 27-23 Broncos, though. Sam. I'm going to say 27-14 Carolina. Oh, boo you, Sam. And boo. GP says 6-3. 6-3. <laughs> <six> to <three. laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Would it be awesome, would it be awesome if it were 6-3? I just, I just, I don't care about the game. It'd be a quick Super Bowl. I want to watch Beyonce. And, and I actually, you know what? I, I will be honest the, with these things here and we really should wrap up, but uh, like uh, the t- Twitter, which we have for our jobs, we use like Twitter will never be more on fire unless there's like a, a two minute drive to win the game than the freaking halftime Super Bowl. And everyone wanting to tweet about Beyonce and Coldplay, Poor which God. will bring funny jokes, I'm sure. But uh, shout out to Parachutes and Russia Blood to the Head because Coldplay's first two records are still really good. I don't care what the haters say. I... Also, shout out to the left shark. We do, we'll do it. Hey, on your music podcast, Norland, you got to have me on to discuss Coldplay sometime. Well, don't worry. I got you rostered in, I think, for season three, but I, I don't know if it's Coldplay the band you want to be talking about. I like, can't stand them. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll have to hash it out here. I understand a lot of the criticism is, 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 is very valid. Uh, but the first two records are genuinely like really good. They are very, very good. And then it, it took a, it took a, it took a bad turn there. And how did you get yourself locked in if you're Coldplay to having to share a stage with Beyonce? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't even know how this happened. Okay, I don't, I, I couldn't tell I you. I mean, the problem is that everyone probably would have left their TV. Like once she makes Coldplay came on. The problem becomes she makes like she overshadows Jay Z. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like she is such like you. That's like the one person on the planet you can't get on a stage with. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, no, dude. You who, definitely. Who, yes. Who completely? I don't know. What's anybody. funny is people are going to be listening to this podcast after this, all this. I know, is right? <laughs> so, like, I don't know what to expect here. Uh, I, like, I have no idea how you're going to incorporate Beyonce into a Coldplay set. Um, I don't know. And Chris Martin, for you know, hate Coldplay or not, he's not a brutal front man. Like, he knows what he's doing up there to a certain degree. But yeah, I don't see how this possibly works. So, uh, I'm yeah, you know, just. Just hope for something of a train wreck. Absolutely. It's like getting into a dunk contest with Zach Levine. Like, why do you even want to get involved in that? That's what Coldplay's doing. They just got into a dunk contest with Zach Levine. Listen, the, the Iron College Basketball Podcast is the only place where you can go to where you can get uh, comparisons of Beyonce to Zach Levine. You're not getting that anywhere else. If they, call, if they called me and they said, uh, uh, GP, we'd like to, your band to play the Super Bowl, I'd be like, cool, that's an honor. I appreciate that. And they'd say, we're going to put Beyonce up there with you. I'd say, we're not, we're not getting involved in that. Like, especially, <laughs> and you know why especially? Because they don't, you know, they don't get paid for this. It's a free gig. And you do it for the publicity alone. Like Coldplay and Beyonce, they aren't making any money directly from the NFL office. And so the the way it ends, listen, we are recording this uh, probably three and four hours before Beyonce and Coldplay get on. You know, here's here's the way it's going to go down. I would predict people are going to be talking about how Coldplay didn't belong up there because Beyonce blew them off this blue. They might not even be on the stage together, but for thirty seconds, I have no idea how this thing is going to go down. But like you're just people aren't going to be talking positively about you. Because they're going to be talking positively about Beyonce, and I don't care what Coldplay does, you can't compete with Beyonce. I don't think it's going to be that bad. <laughs> like it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be great by any means. But like, I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Like I felt like I felt like Bruno Mars wasn't going to be very good in '48. Bruno Mars was great. And Bruno Mars was awesome. Yeah, like he was one of the better ones I've well, seen. That- Yes, and because the so, expect like and definitely Bruno was terrific, but the expectation level was so low for Bruno that he that he went above it. That's, now that's kind of what it is for Coldplay too. No, though. well, I guess I guess, but you, you can't. But then when you add Beyonce to the mix, no, here's the problem. Let me put let me make listen. this clear for you. It's like if you had a 48 inch TV hanging on your wall, is it's just there by itself? You go, hey, that's a nice TV. It's fine. You got now. You're not looking at anything else. You're just looking at your 48 inch eight inch TV. But then somebody throws an 80-inch TV on the wall right next to it? You can't even look at the 48-inch TV anymore. You think it's the worst TV in the world. That's what just happened to Coldplay when they threw Beyonce into this thing. Coldplay by itself might be okay. I doubt it because I don't like them, but like maybe. But they just got put on stage with an 80-inch television named Zach Levine. These analogies are ridiculous. All right, I gotta go. I gotta go Let's cook go. something. I'm gonna go cook something. So if you want to subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, you can do that on iTunes. If you don't want to, I don't care. Goodbye. We'll talk to you later on in a week.